Hello and welcome to uh, yet another episode of Fuzzy Concepts. Myself, Adam McCarthy, Steve Rockhausen. How are you doing, Steve? I'm good. I'm good. And returning yeah. is our yeah. producer extraordinaire, Mr. Philip Connolly. How are you? How are we? All good. Yeah, back by popular demand. Back by, and you know, he's the man who does all the work, really, let's be honest. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he edits at everything and, you know, he takes out anything made too libelous. Yeah. yeah. Which he's good with. Keeps us out of prison. He does keep us out of prison. Which <laughs> is what you want from a, a producer. Yeah, yeah, so we have to thank Phil for that anyway, for his ongoing work. And we thought we'd, we'd bring him back on for one of his favourite subjects in the world. Yeah. Which is, um, it's a, a type of billiards game, is it? Is that where it came from? Yeah. I imagine yeah. it must have come from billiards. Um, yeah, billiards is no pockets. I don't know if you've ever played billiards. That so how did they play the first game of snooker? Did they just know. cut into the billiards table? <laughs> <laughs> they must have done. Maybe someone yeah. just had a broken billiards table. <laughs> Ten points now if I pop one of them all. <laughs> and that's how snooker was born. And that's how snooker was born. So we'll be going a bit in depth into snooker tonight. I see yeah. why you see lots of stuff. I have some weird snooker stories, and um, I think we know a few anyway. Yeah. Um, other snooker ones, but there's a nice John Virgo story. That's good. Our favourite. talk about our favourite Marco Foo never made the worlds this year. Oh, disappointing. Oh. Yeah. And he's got his eyesight fixed. He hasn't been able to see for about three years. Yeah. That's maybe what's wrong. That's it. I mean, that's not good for a snooker player not being able to see. No. There's a couple of colorblind well, snooker I, players. Well, Steve, I've watched you play snooker, so that's definitely true. It's definitely true, yeah. It's, I don't have the, the uh, Dennis Taylor glasses. No. Certainly a disadvantage. I was watching um, the World Pool Championships there last week oh, yeah. on Sky, and I know he, I think, fella, I know he used to be a snooker player, Appleton or something. He's the most bizarre, like, ultra Dennis Taylor glasses I've ever seen. <laughs> halfway up his forehead I'll insert a picture of him right here yeah, I mean, yeah they like do, the, uh, if you can find it I think it's Appleton like, isn't it driver's goggles almost They're like those it was almost up. like that yeah like they, like they make Dennis Taylor's look normal <laughs> good old Dennis Taylor yeah Yeah. so we also have uh, the usual so we have some news and horoscopes as well we have the horoscopes yeah people let over people, them. <laughs> So, I think uh, people are well used to uh, our 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 our, um, our usual spots. Maybe one day we'll add another. Maybe I can bring back weird wiki roulette or um, yeah. What was the or other something. one? Ask we'll Vlad. Ask Vlad. We had Phil's recipe of the week for a while. Oh yeah. Which were lovely recipes from the nineteen seventies. We should bring that back. Actually, yeah. <laughs> it's about to be some good stuff. But the, well, but as part of it now, because we're on Zoom these days, you'll have to make him eat it on camera. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And I have done that before. Things. Poor yeah. Phil, you were never the same after we uh, gave you. What were the peppers we gave him? I can't remember. Ghost chili, yeah. Yeah. Ghost chili. I think that's up on YouTube somewhere. We might have put up a link to that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. My face was Probably never yeah. went so red. It was on. <laughs> you were actually yeah. sick for a couple of days afterwards, I'm sure. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're not really supposed to eat them like that. Oh. But, you know. No. But he all, I, all I remember is you just like pulling open a carton of milk and absolutely. Gulping it down. But the funny thing is, is that Leanne messaged me afterwards. Is like, I, I'm, I'm going to try one after you tried one. Oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah. And we never I, heard I, from I her again. I don't recommend anything that I eat by anyone. O only I no, can at eat all. Yeah, only I can. 
just to remind people, what, what, what did you usually get in Subway? Um, tuna and bacon and jalapenos. <laughs> what in the name of God? Maybe some mayo as well. Yeah. For those who don't know, Phil's dad was a butcher for a number of years. Yeah. So Phil is used to eating, you know, bits of this and bits of that when it came to... Bits of pig tongue and whatever, whatever was going. Sheep's tongue are the nicest. Yeah. Is it? So he's, he's See, yeah, stomach. You got, yeah, Phil, you're, you're kind of like, you're like a throwback to the old days of Cork, really, when yeah. people used to just eat whatever was around. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, my favourite food ever, one of my favourite foods is crocodile. That was very nice. You had that in Thailand? Yeah, that in Thailand. Mm. What, did it t- what did it taste like? Chicken. Legit. Legitly, legitimately like chicken. Yeah. 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 But, people won't but it's good to turn the tables on crocodiles anyway, so fair play. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Plus, was it crocodile or was they just flogging your chicken and telling you it's crocodile? Yeah, it go. could be, yeah. <laughs> Made him in that crocodile, ate a bit of chicken beforehand. Yeah, yeah. There, there could be a scam going on there on those street vendors <laughs> in Thailand where they just say, that's why they say everything tastes like chicken, because that's all they're really selling is chicken. <laughs> we'll move on to the news. Ooh. And there's a couple of returning stories, a couple of updates. Yes. Which is always good. I like so, the update. Uh, we'll start off anyway. We'll um, we'll work our way down to the the, the kind of the return news. But nice. I'm going to start with a bit of COVID news, and obviously everyone knows that India has been hit fairly hard with it there recently. Really badly. And uh, they started to bring in kind of restrictions again. They they'd kind of stopped the restrictions. They're bringing them in, but it just didn't stop a certain couple who were determined to get married in front of their entire family and friends. So they hired an entire plane. To get married in front of their 161 guests in an effort to avoid these restrictions. Rakesh and Dakshina from uh, Madhuri, India, were desperate to tie the knot with lockdown restrictions uh, and social distancing measures in place. They they had to come up with an alternative plan for their big day. The pair had their ceremony on board a flight from Madhuri to Bangalore on Sunday. The flight took off from Madhuri International Airport at 7am, despite the guest list far exceeding the state government stipulated 50 people for such gatherings. Video footage shows the flight absolutely packed to the brim with guests as the couple stand in front of the aisle and exchange their vows. Rakesh and Dakshina tied the knot just as the aircraft hovered over the Madhuri uh, Meenakshi Aman temple. Following their onboard wedding, the couple headed to a hotel in Bangalore for a small reception. All of the guests had allegedly taken and passed a PRC test before boarding the flight. However, many guests opted not to wear masks or maintain social distancing for the special occasion. Police are reportedly looking into the matter and deciding whether or not to launch an investigation. I think they may have found a loophole somehow. Yeah, yeah. Plus, they there, are like videos, there, there are videos and pictures online if you want to see it. Uh, it's been all over the news, really, the last week or so. So you can have a look, basically, at their entire family. It was basically like a 737. It wasn't nice. like one of these small private jets. It was like they... It was a scheduled flight that they just bought all the tickets on. Ah. Except for one. Some one yeah. poor fucker. <laughs> I know, yeah. There's always one poor guy. Oh, Jesus, a wedding. <laughs> Amazing. That's fun. So we'll move on. And uh, this is a returning story. Do you, you might remember a couple of episodes ago, I talked about a Canadian politician who accidentally yeah. he accidentally um, exposed himself in front of the entire... That's he had no pants on, didn't he? Yeah, he basically got changed. He didn't realize his cameras on. Well, he's back in the news again. Oh, no. 
The Canadian politician is temporarily standing down from some duties and is seeking assistance after being caught on camera urinating during a parliamentary proceedings. <laughs> a month after being caught on camera naked during another virtual appearance. Last night, while attending House of Commons proceedings virtually in a non-public setting, I urinated without realising I was on camera, said William Amos, a member of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's ruling Liberal Party, uh, said in an apology he posted to Twitter. He, these are the words he said, I am deeply embarrassed by my actions and the distress they may have caused anybody who witnessed them. I apologise unreservedly. <laughs> Mr Amos was talking on the phone at his desk when he decided to urinate in a coffee cup rather than pause or end his call. And his official opposition, the Conservatives, called Mr Amos' favour unacceptable and questioned whether the incident was an accident. This is a pattern of behaviour for Mr Amos and it's now clear that Trudeau's Liberals failed in their duty to ensure a safe work environment following that first in incident, uh, the Conservative MP Karen Vecchio said in a statement. Um, Mr mm. Amos said he would be seeking assistance but he really didn't make clear what type of help he was looking for and what type of help can you get I suppose is the thing. I know, a bit of tape over his camera. <laughs> exactly. That's probably the first. That's probably the first thing you can do. Mr. Amos first came to media attention in April after a screenshot was leaked to the media showing him completely naked on an internal government video feed. At the time, Mr. Amos said he was changing into work clothes after a jog, and did not realise his camera was turned on. So there you go. First time's a mistake. Yeah. Second time, you don't know. You don't know. Like you'd be it's shitting hard. out the window next week now or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is he a good-looking boy at least? If he's getting up naked, I didn't actually. I don't like. I don't. I don't remember seeing his pit. I must have a look at his picture. I know you've just inadvertently uh, made me say that I'm going to look and see if this naked guy was uh, attractive on the internet. So thanks for that, Steve. Yeah, just don't put that into the search engine. Don't put in naked attractive guys. <laughs> Changing after a jog. Yeah. I'll report back to you next week on his attractiveness. Do you? Uh, and we'll go on to um, something that's tangentially related to a story we had, I think it might have been last week, which is kind of rude names for towns. Yeah. So a man has been on, on an, the ultimate rude trip by visiting as many places with naughty sounding names as possible. And I should say before the story, if you have any kids with you, uh, you might <laughs> want to uh, take them out of the room. Or if they Turn want to learn some new words... If they want to learn some new words, they can stay in the room. No problem. Exactly. Turn off the volume. They'll find it hilarious. Yeah. And uh, I, I assume, uh, Phil, just for your producing thing, you're going to have to definitely mark this uh, podcast explicit for the upcoming names. That's all. And I, uh, it's all and on Steve's end, I think. I think he's, Steve's doing all the texts. And... Oh, yeah. Oh, there I, you go. So, oh, yeah. I, I definitely do that. Yeah. You'll mark that. You'll definitely have to mark this one explicit. And I do, uh, I do, I do apologise to any members of my family listening who may think that I'm a lovely boy who doesn't swear. Because that's these that, are just that, that, names. that facade is gonna is gonna is gonna collapse very quickly from this. They're just um, names of towns. New stories. That's true. I'm not actually swearing. They're just names of towns. Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, here we go. Nicholas Hale, fifty, has proved that age is just a number by embarking on the childish endeavor of visiting as many places with rude names as possible. For the past twenty six years, he has travelled far and wide, racking up the miles to visit fucking in Austria, cunt mm -hmm. in Romania, mm -hmm. and wank mountain in Germany. <laughs> he said that his mission to see as many as possible has become a bit of an obsession and that there's no obstacle large enough to stop him visiting a rude sounding town the singer comedian said it's a bit of a pathetic obsession but I think everyone can relate a little bit whenever most people see a rude place name they have a little childish chuckle to themselves some of the places I do make a special trip to see 
And so my research once I know where they are and if I'm headed to work, I'll just, I'll just pop by. The key for me is the commitment to getting there. It can be in really remote places, completely isolated and a pain to get to, but I'll do whatever it takes. Nick's obsession began when he was a child and he was driven through Wetwang, a village near his home in Scarborough, North Yorkshire. He continued that some of them were also hard to find because the locals keep stealing signs or destroying them. In so many of these places, people complain because they see house prices drop due to street or village names, which is crazy really as I'm sure they could capitalize on it. Having said that, I think my mum is sometimes embarrassed about what her friends might think about my, uh, my hobby. It's probably quite childish and some people might think get a life, but there's nothing wrong with being a bit silly sometimes. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna move on to a, a list of some of the places he has visited. So oh, yes. please. So we've already mentioned uh, Fucking in Sal near Salzburg in Austria. But, uh, as you may remember, has changed their name to Fugging. Yeah. Because they were sick of the tourists. Yeah. Um, Turkey Cock Lane in Colchester yeah. in Essex. Um, Dickhard Strasse, which uh, roughly translates to Dickhard Street in Berlin, Germany. There's, of course, Bell End in Rowley Regis yeah. in the West Midlands. You have Muff, which is in Donegal slash Derry up in Northern Ireland. Been there. And uh, Ulster. Um, Chitterton in Dorset. Uh, and Kunstvet metro station in Brussels, Belgium. I've been there. Have you been there? <laughs> is that the train station? You, mm. you were there and you, and you enjoyed it, did you, Phil? I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And some only a few places, uh, so only some of only a few people have been to, which is Butthole Lane, yeah. in Shepshed, Leicestershire, Kitty mm -hmm. Hoe in Northamptonshire, Rimsting in Germany, Minge Lane in Upton upon Severn, UK, Crotch mm. Crescent in Headington in Oxfordshire, a shop called Tits in Puente del Este in Uruguay. <laughs> Fingering Hole in Essex. Yeah, famous one. Yeah. The Glory Hole in Lincoln. Uh, Upper Dicker in Sussex. There is a shop called Muff in Locarno in Italy. Uh, Netherthong in West Yorkshire, which is just good, it's just good advice, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cumming Street in Is Islington, London. Wankhead Stadium in Mumbai. Cockshoe Close in Whitney in Oxfordshire. I'm sure that Whitney have a few different dodgy names there. I know, yeah. They try to outdo each other, whoever's cannoned around. Yeah. And the opposite of Rimsting, it's Rimswell in East Riding, Yorkshire. TTC Rundfart in Germany. Bat uh, in Orkney Island, Scotland. Upper Thong in West Yorkshire. <laughs> Pennistone in Barnsley, which doesn't sound rude until you read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Uh, a place where I think everybody wants to go on their holidays. Hotel Fock in Leverkusen, Germany. <laughs> uh, and of course, Australia have to get in on the fun with Yorkie's Knob. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised Australia doesn't have more. Yeah, I know, yeah. And of course, there's the Wankdorf Stadium, which is the home of uh, the Young Boys. Yeah. Football team in Switzerland. There you go. I'm sure we, if that if if we were broadcasting on the FM wave, we'd we'd have been taken off the air by now after that. <laughs> there you go. But it's, uh, that's our news. Cool. Some nice towns to visit, isn't it?
It's yeah. like, I, I feel like, Steve, it's something that we might have done at some stage. I know, yeah. Gone on a tour around. Yeah. Um, a lot of them in the UK. There's something about the UK and those weird place names. Yeah, we really talk to enjoy it. We were only talking about how you were supposed to go around in the care a few years ago. Well, that, that was the plan to drive east. <laughs> That's, that could still happen. Oh, yeah. That car is still going, though. I know, we, yeah. We'd, we'd probably circled the globe by now in that car. I, I might have to buy that back at some stage and, and really work on it. My only problem is if we start to hit Belarus, we'll have to take a right, I think. <laughs> we won't be allowed through. Well, we'll be all right as long as we don't have any, like, you know, wanted journalists or whatever in the car with us. Yeah, we'll just have to make sure. Or guys that look somewhat dodgy or whatever, yeah, drive around <laughs> yeah. Belarus, take a detour. <laughs> Into yeah, the Ukraine, which that's way we'll worse. Uh-huh. <laughs> Into yeah. the Ukraine, which will probably be worse. Into the Ukraine, yeah. <laughs> Over Crimea and into Russia. Yeah. So uh, one day we'll do it. I really want to do it. Just take a car that's almost on its last legs and just drive as far east as possible. Yeah, and see what happens. But as I say, my old Toyota Starlet, which was ni- a 1993 yeah. car, which I, I think only has about 70,000 miles on it, that definitely could make it to, to Korea, at least, North Korea. <laughs> I'd say so. I'd say so. I, I wonder where we'd run into start running into problems in terms of um visas and things. How far east can we go legally within Russia, the EU? Yeah, you, visa. Visa. you need a visa, visa for Russia, there. definitely. Yeah. As long as give money, you get a visa there, no problem. Yeah, no worries. It depends, like, do we want to go Russia way or do you want to go down the Balkans into Turkey? If you went down the then, Balkans into Turkey, then you'd have issues once you go through the Middle East. Yeah, I mean, like, are we gonna head into Syria? <laughs> Why not? True Syria, yeah, true Syria. And the problem then is if you have to avoid, like if you to go through Israel, if you have to drive through Israel, you have to avoid so many countries that they won't let you come in from. Exactly, you just have to, yeah, you have to just detour Israel, really. Um, so, which would mean going up along, which would be nice. You take a nice tour of uh, Syria, Iraq, Iran, in, into Afghanistan, Pakistan. Yeah, up through India. Up through India. The good thing, though, is the further east you go, the, it seems to be the, the petrol gets cheaper. So, you know, yeah, it, work. it might do, yeah. yeah. Break down the middle of nowhere. We'll report. Maybe someday we'll bring Phil and he can, we, we'll make a documentary on it. Yeah, exactly. Phil, Phil can try out all the different foods from around the yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we'll aim for Tokyo, Japan. That's where we'll aim for. We can <laughs> make it. To get drive the ferry it. from uh, South Korea, is it, into Japan? <laughs> can we make it from Cork to Japan in a Toyota style? We'll win the lotto tomorrow. Bring, bring the car off. back home was my thought, you know. Yeah. Bring the car back. Well, then you'd have to go up Russia over the Bering Strait in winter. Yeah. With no snow tires. No snow tires, no. Yeah. And that thing, in Russia. That thing doesn't even have a heater in sure. So I mean. Yeah, all right. How cold yeah. can Russia really be in the winter? <laughs> exactly. Be fine. <laughs> So that documentary is coming 2024. <laughs> yeah. Around the world in four years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, bring the Toyota back to the Toyota factory in Japan. We should to get it signed by the designer. <laughs> yeah. They might and give Toyota. us a new one then. Yeah, which exactly. Probably last, which probably wouldn't last. New one to get home in. I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Something with a bit more heat to it, probably. Probably be <laughs> exactly. the summertime then through Russia. Yeah. yeah, be a lot of fun, a lot of fun. But uh, I suppose we'll segue from Russia to its most famous sport, snooker. 
They're mad for the snooker. Uh, Phil, you've yeah. met a lot of these snooker lads. I've met a few of them. John Higgins played you... hair. John Higgins played Cork. Yeah. Uh, I know Stephen Henry. Stephen Henry, Steve Davis, yeah. Jimmy Weiss. I actually played against Jimmy and Steve inside the Macau. You did. You played against Steve Davis. I remember that. Did you beat him? No. We did. Well, he, you didn't I beat did. him, no. He actually said that I was quicker than Ronnie O'Sullivan. Well, that is true. I've seen you play. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's it. He's quick. That's it. If you get the... the well, I, you know. I will say one thing. I play snooker really weirdly. Yeah, yeah. Phil, Phil is, um, is a lefty when it comes to playing snooker and is entirely right-handed in everything else he does in life. That's very strange. I remember I was hitting the uh, the rest really wrong for years. Because <laughs> he was using his right hand instead of his left hand. That was the way we used to try and beat Phil, was try and get him into rest shots. <laughs> he couldn't use the rest because he was playing. He didn't realise he was left-handed snooker player. Yeah. And he was trying to play right-handed with the rest. There is, uh, we, myself and Steve usually play Phil in snooker games. Yeah. On a two-on-one. Yeah. yeah, handicap system. Which usually means Phil is better than us because he gets more practice. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. We only get half the shots. We only get half the shots, yeah. yeah. More if we could actually pop balls, we'd probably uh, yeah. be on the table longer. But Hopefully during the summer we get back in for a game. Where, though? The Vic yeah. is gone. Is it still? Okay, yeah. They got rid of the, the table. The other place is the Sunbeams place out in Blackpool. Oh, yeah. Or is Douglas. Is there one in Douglas as well, I think? The Tinny Shade. Is that still there? <laughs> <laughs> or the Crucible up in Blarney Street. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. What's the other one? What's the one up the top of Nakmahini? That's it, the Crucible. Is that the Crucible? That's oh, crucible, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I went in there once looking for directions. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Not welcome. Not a lot of snooker going on. <laughs> it was it was kind of nuts. It was, I've never seen so many heads turn around so quickly. But there you go. Yeah. You just step into a place and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. It's good fun. Good fun. But yeah, Steve Davis, myself and Adam were supposed to go see him DJ, but he pulled out of it. He did. He pulled out last minute, which I was very disappointed about because I he does a radio show as well, which I love. Yeah. He likes all this. He likes all this weird music that I'm into. DJ Thunder Muscles. That's him. But he likes he likes a lot of the the weirdo prog music and electronic music I'm into, and he he has a band these days. I don't think you'd like them, Phil. Okay. Well, we were watching something, Phil, weren't we, a few weeks ago on snooker? It was like a documentary. Yeah. And it was like Steve Davis way back when he was younger, back in the eighties. Yeah, it was brilliant. And it was like, you know, a Q&A people did with snooker players. And someone asked them, well, what would you do if you weren't a snooker player? And he actually said he'd love to be a DJ. Really? And everyone was like laughing, like, <laughs> and look and at him look now. At him. <laughs> did he look want at to be a Glastonbury or is that my imagination? He did. He did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. People so have seen like he, he has played gigs and people have seen him play gigs. Yeah. Oh, so there he's, he's full on now. He um mm-hmm. yeah he does a radio show every couple of weeks uh, the interesting alternative show, nice. which I heartily recommend if you're into uh, left field weird music. <laughs> Presented by a former professional snooker player. Exactly. 
It's good though. Yeah. It's good. He has, yeah. he has different who's, who's interests. Known, who's known about? Who's known for his personality? Exactly. But <laughs> I like that he plays in. He plays into that now as well. A lot. He does. Yeah. Yeah. He does, yeah. He's actually quite a funny guy. He definitely uh, yeah. is. He's brilliant. Yeah. But I have some snooker stories here for you, Phil. All right? I'm going to go into some of these, and then we can talk about your your uh, any snooker memories you have. The last one in this one is especially weird. But um, the first one, anyway, is there's a snooker player from Derry called Do Donald McVeigh, and he was playing against a top English player. No idea when this took place, by the way. Uh, McVeigh got a free ball before any reds were potted. He potted the colour as his first red, then brown as his colour. He then potted all the reds with blacks, potted the colours from yellow to pink, left the cue ball 15 centimetres from the black in perfect line to the pocket. He was so confident that the pot, he closed his eyes for the shot and rattled the back in the jaws. <laughs> it could have been a 1-5-2 break, but the overconfidence got to him. Apparently, he never turned pro, but won a lot of money, it says here, from Joe Davis when they played for the unofficial world title. Also, he was playing, the, he was playing the old backhanders in the snooker club, so was he? I'd say so. Have you ever heard of a guy called Robbie Fulvari, Phil? No. He was apparently the slowest player on the snooker circuit. And in 1992, in the last qualifying round for the European Open... His opponent was awarded a frame from the referee, John Williams, because he was playing too slowly. He was warned about it, and the referee just took a frame away from him because he was too slow. But he, he didn't take him, like, 35 minutes between shots. <laughs> he must have been. Um, Cliff Torber, who got a famous 147 at the World Championship. Was it another player that we've... Another guy we've missed. Yeah, yeah, up in, up in Blackpool, playing... Playing against kids on a wet Tuesday evening, his career's done well. <laughs> but apparently, and that's, Black, one... that's Blackpool Cork, not Blackpool UK. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> much nicer. Blackpool Cork's nicer. Um, Cliff Torber and Starters World Championship one four seven break by fluking a red ball. Uh, here's one. Did you know Stephen Henry, the former world number one? And, uh, you know, a guy Phil's met a couple of times. Mm. He lost three out of his first four professional matches. <laughs> and then didn't lose again, it seemed, for about 30 for years. About 12 years, yes. <laughs> he's back, isn't he? Is he back on the tour? I think huh? he's, he's he is, he's back. He's he only done. came back to beat Jimmy White and leave again. Yeah. Yeah. And leave again just to ruin Jimmy White's uh, yeah. chances. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it says, if there was a title called Most Unlucky Player, Doug Mountjoy would surely be a candidate. In the fourth round of the 1992 Dubai Open, he was 4-2 up against Mick Price, where you need five frames to win. In the seventh frame, he was 33 points up with only the colours remaining. He had an easy yellow to the middle, but missed the pot because he tried to force it to get to the green, which he didn't need, obviously. <laughs> Instead, the yellow ball hit the blue ball, which went in the opposite middle pocket, and not only that, Price then got a free ball and won the frame <laughs> and went on to win the match. Oh, my God. Hilarious. That's how snooker can change. Yeah. A game of snooker can change on a dime. <laughs> yeah. This is a funny one from New Zealand way back when. Eddie Charlton once played a frame where his opponent made a break of 139 to take the New Zealand record. After doing this, he said to the crowd, now watch this frame where Eddie will make 140. Everyone laughed, including Eddie. And then he went on, sunk a red off the break and cleaned up to make a break of 140. 
I just I'd love to see the other guy's face at the end of that <laughs> after making the joke. Yeah. Here's one of my favorite ones, John Virgo and Match of the Day. Um <laughs> uh, it was the 2016 World Championship semi-final. So a big, big match. Mark Selby was playing our buddy Marco Fu. Mm-hmm. And this gaff happened during what turned out to be the longest frame in Crucible history, which ran to one hour and 16 minutes. Mm-hmm. Somehow, during a live broadcast, Virgo was caught saying, I wanted to watch a bit of racing this afternoon. I'd be lucky to watch some fucking match of the day. (laughs) 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 And he was right. Yeah, good old John Virgo. This is brilliant. This is the last one I have. Uh, Do you know Rory McLeod, Phil? Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah. Well, Rory McLeod, a rather famous one, this. He was playing Ronnie O'Sullivan in 2015 Welsh Open. And many eagle-eyed viewers, most of them from Twitter, which is never good because it goes viral very fast, noticed that he's sponsored by ISIS on his waistcoat <laughs> under the BBC cameras. Now, this allowed people to jump to conclusions. McLeod, who's a black, devout Muslim, and ISIS is obviously a terrorist organisation, so therefore, McLeod is supporting terrorism and is being sponsored by ISIS. <laughs> what mad is he had to come out afterwards and explain himself. He did it by explaining that the ISIS refers to ISIS business solutions who'd been sponsoring him for the last 14 years. I just love the image of like, the, head of, the head of ISIS and his buddies going, geez, we need to get out there. We need to get our name out there again. That's like that, that's like that shop in the city. Was it the, uh, across from the um, the courthouse? Oh, yeah. They there's there's, a, there's the a solicitors or uh, an accountant there that has a question of the logo. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that logo for a while. I'll have to go back and have a look at that. Because that definitely <laughs> did look a bit a bit, bit like a swastika. <laughs> just a bit. But it's like the, the idea of ISIS deciding to... Uh, to sponsor, you know, like uh, these minority sports. So you imagine like uh, Raymond Van Barneveld <laughs> devices, or maybe the other crowds will start getting involved. Yeah. Uh, you know, Michael Van Gurren being sponsored by Al Qaeda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people at home can get involved in this game if they want onto yeah. our Facebook page. Yeah. What and Rory McElroy. sports star combos would you like to see? Roy McElroy in the IRA. <laughs> yeah, there you go. IRA. That could only end well. Just speaking of weird stories, just a funny one about snooker. Yeah. Ronnie O'Sullivan played this guy, Alan Rabideau, in 1996. Yeah. And uh, he was 50 points behind Rabideau. And he kept coming back to the table. Just trying to snooker he him. He just refused to, uh, <laughs> yeah. refused to concede. Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's actually quite hilarious. Is there another famous one when O'Sullivan was playing? You might know who he was playing. You might remember. Peter Epping. Where he just shook his hand and walked away when there was like loads of frames to play. Oh, he oh yeah, he decided he'd had enough. He just conceded the match because he'd missed the ball or something. Stephen Hendry, you say? That was only a couple. Uh, that was only a few years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was only two or three frames of the game, wasn't it? Two thousand seven or two thousand eight. Yeah, crazy. He just decided he had enough. He was like, "This is this is not my day," so I'm just yeah, I'm not bothered. Yeah. He's very much like that, though, isn't he, uh, Ronnie? He can, yeah. He, he runs hot and cold. Yeah. So I suppose we couldn't leave a snooker podcast without a bit of history into the beginnings of snooker, which I, to be honest, I'd never even looked into. Yeah. I just assumed it was always here. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Roman, Roman times and dinosaurs. Yeah, dinosaurs are great snooker players. Yeah, yeah. Little hands. That's why they, but that's why, that's why snooker players wear waistcoats. Yeah. T-Rexes had only small little arms, so they, you know, they, they didn't <laughs> have the Little known history for people there. Little known fact there. Okay, yeah. so we'll go over the history of snooker, and this is, uh, it goes back to uh, British rule in India. Oh. So it was in the officer's mess of the British Army's 11th Devonshire Regiment, stationed in the Indian town of Jabalpur, uh, in 1875, that Lieutenant Neville Francis Fitzgerald Chamberlain, so there's a bit of an Irish connection there. Yeah. Well, Irish Norman, uh, created the game of snooker. Well, it's experiment, experimenting with the existing game of Blackpool. Huh? So the ah. home, of, home of snooker is Blackpool in Cork as well, you see. So. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Blackpool was a form of billiards, which consisted of 15 red balls and one black ball. Chamberlain ah. decided to throw down additional coloured balls and a new game was born. I have to ask a question. How was he walking around with different coloured balls on his, his <laughs> He just, just happened to have them. <laughs> yeah. Having heard that rookie cadets studying in the Royal Military Academy at Woolwich were given the slang term snookers, Chamberlain observed yeah. that all, the, all those present playing this new uh, version of Blackpool were snookers at the game, and the name immediately stuck. In 1885, John Roberts, the then British billiards champion, visited India and met with Chamberlain during a dinner with the Maharaja of Cooch uh, Bihar. After inquiring about the rules of snooker, Roberts decided he would introduce the game back in England. And although it took many years for the game uh, before the game became widely played, by the end of the 19th century, the manufacturers of billiards equipment had realised the commercial potential of snooker. Yeah. And the first competition was the English Amateur Championships in 1916. Oh, wow. It's modern enough, so. Yeah. It is fairly modern. I suppose billiards goes back to the French aristocracy, as far as I remember. I'd imagine so, yeah. It's kind of weird. Like you, I'd always, I'd assume snooker was around a long, long time. I'm going to find out the rules of this black pool. Yeah, and like you said, the colour balls, I don't know, maybe it was like the wish.com of its day or something. <laughs> <laughs> you, was looking do you remember when the snooker players went to play? Oh, showed up. Do you remember when the snooker players went to play in the Moscone Cup? <laughs> oh, yeah. The early they days banned that, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Well, those, those nine ball pool pockets, you can't miss. Exactly. It's too easy for the snooker players. <laughs> Way too easy for the snooker. Well, Ronnie was on it once or twice. Yeah. What I do enjoy, though, I I know there was a time when we used to play a lot of snooker. Yeah. We'd yeah. Be going down to the Vic about three, four days a week playing, and I remember yeah. we went off and played pool. Then I know it was a balance spit or something like that, yeah. and we were knocking them in like pros. Yeah, it's it's so much easier again yeah. when you play snooker for a lot of time. Yeah. It's just yeah. My pool players will probably say no. There's more to it than that, but not. Those pockets and nine ball well, pool. Nine, nine ball pool, definitely, there's a bit more to it because you have to... There there's is. A, a lot, there's a lot more chances of being, for the for want of a better word, snookered. There is. And like you said, it, the pockets are so ridiculous that if your opponent gets in, he's probably not going to miss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there is there is those differences. But it's a wonderful game. It is, yeah. I mean, snooker's a, a lot of fun. Do you remember the streakers in snooker? There was two famous ones. The guy that hid underneath the table. There was a guy that <laughs> hid underneath the table, and there was a woman who ran out of the crowd as well. A streaker um, in a Steve Davis match. Wasn't there some mad woman as well? Wasn't a streaker, but she was just a bit mad, and Ronnie let her take a shot before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the audience. 
I remember just, that. But that was probably the best thing to do to calm her down, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to say, I, I must, I must really thank the snooker authorities on their yeah. uh, their new policy of uh, snooker referees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> usually new referees. Stern Eastern European women. <laughs> yeah. There's which, a lot of them now. Yeah. Yeah. Which, as people people might know, is is a favorite of mine. Yeah. <laughs> if there's any out there. And they're good refs. They're very good yeah. refs. Yeah, no nonsense with them. No nonsense. Yeah, you don't want to be on the going on the wrong side of them. Mm-hmm. Unlike me, who does. <laughs> <laughs> then you get um, in 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 the snooker then as well, Phil. Remember the old days of the when they were like everything else, sponsored by cigarette companies, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember one last week, and it was like the Rotman's Open or something. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you like smoking can be harmful to your health or something. Tiny little <laughs> warning underneath this big Rotman's open sign. <laughs> the players will be smoking and drinking pints and all sorts while the matches are going on. Yeah, it really did affect um, sports like snooker and darts and Formula One, especially. Yeah, that tobacco really seemed to enjoy yeah. um, sponsoring those type those yeah. type of um, and the crucible was full of smoke. Yeah, but they used to counteract that by having what was essentially a forest, it seemed, at snooker tournaments. Yeah. Back like... in the old days. There was, like, plants everywhere. <laughs> that was, I think that was to neutralise the smell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that's something they just don't have anymore. Yeah. And in the Crucible, you know, they do have those plush carpets. They did, yeah. I'm a big fan of. But I'd say the ones back in the 80s were stinking at the end of the fucking World Championships. Yeah, bits of points and all sorts built on them. <laughs> And like Alex Higgins gobbing up and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Referees, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, the, the good old days of sport when the audience back couldn't see for all the smoke in front of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when the commentators were much more important. They were because they could actually see what was yeah. going on. What's your uh, What's your favourite memory, Phil, of snooker since you're the big snooker fan? Do you know what? When I was very young, I reckon... Stephen Hendry winning the Worlds in like 91, 92. As a young fella? Yeah, 92. I don't oh, know yeah. why, but like he was the one player in my mind where I was just like, this is the guy I'm going to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I suppose Ronnie's five minutes, one, four, seven. I was going to say that one for me. It's just, yeah. it's amazing to see. Like if, if you've never seen it, go out, go onto YouTube and watch it. It's just, it's just, he gets into a flow and it's just, he just yeah. doesn't stop moving. Like he's just yeah. constantly on to the next shot, yeah. next shot, yeah. next shot, next shot. And uh, what about his? Is uh, well, it wasn't at the world, but what tournament was that on when he got the one four six? Because the prize money wasn't that enough. It might have been a UK tournament or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, that was brilliant too. I mean, yeah, the audacity of that, knowing he could clear up and to get a one four six because the one four seven prize money wasn't enough to just make a point of it. Last year we had to clear the Last year they had yeah. the weirdest frame ever. They had 83 points to like 92. <laughs> That's like when we play. That's yeah, generally <laughs> like we play from the amount of fouls. Yeah. But I remember the commentators were giving out about Ronnie O'Sullivan's 146, you know, saying that it cheated yeah. the crowd yeah. of seeing a 147. Yeah. But then I was like, well, no, because the 146 is probably more rare. It is way you more say, Everyone will be like, oh, he was there when he did that. Yeah. yeah. He's done hundreds of 147s. Exactly. So well, yeah, there we go. Phil, what's your highest break in snooker? Uh, I think I got a 30 once. What about you, Steve? Oh, I don't know. It wouldn't be very high. It would probably be like potting four or five colours in a row at the end. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think we I think we got a break of about 16 months or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I reckon that would be it almost, potting like uh, the blue, pink and black, like. Yeah. It wasn't really a break, but it would be no. that kind of a, a clear up. No, I definitely, I remember I, one time, I, and I was so impressed with myself, I think I got a red, a black, a red, a pink, uh, a red, and another pink, I think. Yeah. And then completely messed up. That happened. That happened. But it was, yeah, it's still good fun. Always good fun to play. It's just a great game. But, like, they must practice so, so many hours. Like, yeah. you were up, yeah. Phil, weren't you, in... Um, and Doherty's practice room. Yeah. And for a guy that's still only kind of, he's still pro, but he doesn't play as much, I'd imagine. Two or three hours a day, he was telling us. Jesus. You know, which is crazy when you think the guy is pretty much semi-retired. Yeah, I reckon, yeah. I reckon they train eight, nine hours a day. That's nuts. Ah, it is, I suppose it is, it is like a full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, I should recommend, there's a brilliant um, documentary on YouTube yeah. And it kind of it kind of goes into um, Willie Thorne, who passed away there last couple of years, I think. Yeah. Um, it kind of goes into his friendship with Gary Lineker. Oh, right. They're both from Leicester. Yeah. And it's a documentary on the both of them and on their friendship yeah, nice. during the height of their careers. Like, so basically yeah, yeah. Lineker would be like, we'll go back to Leicester and, and play in Willie Thorne's club. Yeah. And uh, and they go off then to Spain with each other to go, go off play golf and snooker. And, and Willie Thorne would play with Lineker at Barcelona. Yeah, exactly. Midfield. Big man, little man up front. <laughs> yeah. You can't end it without the snooker loopy being mentioned. Oh. Yeah, Chaz that was mad. Chaz and Dave, yeah. yeah. Um, but we should get to do the team song for this show, really. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure one of them's dead, Steve. <laughs> really? Yeah, so it's either just Chaz or Dave now. Oh, no. I remember Bill Bailey used to tell a story about when he went to meet them once in like a supermarket and it was Chaz but just with some guy called Dave it wasn't the actual Dave no just some lad called Dave <laughs> a tribute Dave yeah see I was going to say Chaz and Steve if you were going to do yeah. this <laughs> yeah I know I could do their songs their music I only know about two of their songs one yeah. of them is Groupie. And the other one is Rabbit. And then I think they did one for the Spurs FA Cup final. They did. And they have their ser- their one serious song. I can't remember what it is. And it still doesn't sound very serious, but it's... Snooker you know. sensible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, back in the old days of snooker, you'd miss it. Is the modern snooker is good, Phil? Do you know what? I think it's like everything else. They're just way over too produ- overproduced. Yeah. Well, they're full, like they're real professionals now, and it's I suppose the same as any yeah. professional sport these days. They're really into their yeah. fitness, yeah. and it's almost like they're kind of robots. Yeah, yeah. the the yeah. biggest issue with snooker today is that there's no young players coming yeah. up. Uh, I mean, we were talking about this, me and Steve, the last time. Like, there's literally no one, and you always have to see yeah. them. Yeah. Must be the must be the only sport in the world where like the forty year olds are still dominating the sport. Yeah, but I think a big problem with that is like. It costs a lot of money to run snooker clubs. Yeah. yeah. And their popularity is declining. And it's just yeah. for a lot of for a lot of clubs, there's way, 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 way fewer clubs around than there were, say, to even 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And that is, you know, it's very hard to, you know, the upkeep of the tables, you know, rent or whatever, you know, and it's just, yeah, it's just easier for 
places now just to... But either... in 10 years' time, the game could be in real trouble. Could well, be. it's an expensive game to get into, that's the problem. Yeah. So remember, like, even getting queues, and you, your old queues have always worked. <laughs> yeah. I'd be a lot story with that. Yeah. <laughs> that was good I don't know what happened to my queues, but they always seem to be bent. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it was Phil... When he was when he was in the office by himself, he was just you know standing on him and just pulling up the top of my, my queue. But no, a good queue would easily cost you two or three hundred euro. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's and the then, thing, like you have to be really into it, and there, there is like just the practice of it, and it's the yeah. venue, like you're like it's not a place where you just not like a lot of people's houses or apartments. It's not a place you can actually just go. Oh, I'll throw a snooker table in there, and it'll um, yeah, yeah. Like standard or box standard houses, they just can't fit them. Yeah, so, sure, what's no. that young fella up the north side there that we've met a few times, Phil? Aaron Hill, yeah. Aaron Hill, his dad built basically a snooker like Shit, room yeah. for him out yeah. the back garden so yeah. that he can practice. And not and everybody, even that, like you said, can do that. Like, yeah, and that would even cost a lot of money, you know, like you'll have to get the, you know, the, the, the table reslated and yeah, make sure that it's straight and, you know, re, yeah. re, 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 recarpeted, unless yeah. he went for the natural snooker table with the, with the grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was building a big, big shed thing, big concrete shed thing out the back to play snooker in. Yeah, which I assume is finished by now. You know, he's gone on. He's beat Ronnie O'Sullivan already in a tournament. So fair play to him. Yeah, that, that, that's amazing. I like if he doesn't do anything else in snooker, at least he did yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of strange, isn't it? Seeing like Ryan Super Value knock Nahini. Yeah. On, 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 his, uh, on, his, uh, <laughs> on his sponsored shirt. That's, that's like just... your man in the darts where he had the hair. Yeah, well, that's you're missing out there. Like it should be deep red on on someone's jersey. I know, yeah, it should be, it should be, but they probably know, won't kill me. Celtic. I know, yeah. Um, Bernie, when he comes back, he's back in the dirt, isn't he? He is. Uh, yeah. Well, he'd want to watch himself because he's gotten sick a few times. Oh yeah. Van der Voort, I'd say he'd be cheap enough to um sponsor. Surely. <laughs> Surely, these dance players make serious money. The snooker players. You should get on, Phil, get on to Marco Fu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can see how much you charge. You can spot one eye or something. Yeah, and you would you just say you're like you're a huge fan of a uh, huge fan of his for years, yeah, yeah. and that we'd love to sponsor him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big fans of Hong Kong in the eighties. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but once it all opens, it'll be a dream to actually go. I've never been there. I've never been in the crucible. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, it's in Sheffield. Go. Yeah, yeah, due to go before um, COVID hit. Yeah, and uh, COVID yeah, hit. It's the point next year. Well, if you do go, Phil, will you bring back the carpet for us? Yeah, yeah, still trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Myself and Steve, we 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 were watching and we really liked. Was it a blue carpet? It was a blue yeah. carpet. Yeah. It was lovely. It was lovely. lovely. I must say, look plush. And we yeah. did, we did, we did tweet the crucible. Yeah. yeah. Seeing if they had a few extra bits of carpet or if they were finished with it, they sent it over and they were no dice. No, they did get back though to say they couldn't do that, that they still needed it for other events during the year. Yeah, right. I know, yeah. That was totally going in. The guy who ran Twitter, <laughs> once we did it, he was like, hang on a minute, I could take that carpet. Exactly. <laughs> Damn it. <him. laughs> Madness. Will I go so, into our horoscopes so, before we... horoscopes. Up? All right, all right. So where are we starting? Where we always do Aries, I suppose. Mm. Um, you'll receive a number of beautiful bouquets of flowers next week, all carefully arranged around your headstone. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Good start, this week. 
remember it's important to love yourself next week because let's be honest after that haircut no one else is going to very very timely yeah next week won't be the best week of your life but thanks to you scientists now have a much better grasp on why people's kidneys sometimes just explode oh jesus yeah 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 sounds like me yeah yeah um, cancer, there's nothing wrong with wearing suspenders, but maybe wear a shirt and lose the assless chaps. So, so never. good, just good. <laughs> never, yeah. Fashion advice there. <laughs> Leo, just be that because your dad owns the company does not mean you're not good at your job. It's your laziness and disregard for both your personal hygiene and the welfare of others that make you bad at your job. <laughs> Virgo, to your surprise, you're named the world's sexiest 70 year old this week. Given that you're only 28, is a slight concern. <laughs> Libra, you can't help but think your life is going nowhere and you're just a loser. But when you see a guy riding a unicycle wearing fingerless gloves, you suddenly realise at least you're not that guy. Yes, I remember the unicyclist guy in Cork. <laughs> Scorpio. Remember when all those teachers, students and pretty much everyone you lived near growing up said you'd make nothing of your life? Even the stars are surprised that that many people got it so right. <laughs> Sagittarius, you get a bit of disappointment this week when you learn you begin your new job at the amputation ward in the hospital, only to find out the patients already come that way. <laughs> oh, bit of a letdown there. Capricorn, uh, you finally have proof that the, that the Richard Gere story is true, but you lose the evidence before you can let the world know. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm Capricorn. <laughs> well, you, you, you get the proof this week, but yeah, you lose it before you can. <laughs> it's there somewhere. Yeah. Aquarius, maybe last Wednesday seemed like a normal, boring day to you, but trust us, it's the best day you will have for the rest of your life. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Pisces, you will be asked a series of hard questions by the police next week, such as how and when will the universe end? <laughs> well, there you go. Talk so there we go. That's it. Some good ones, some bad ones. So, and some pretty, oh, pretty dire yeah. ones as well. A lot of them are <laughs> fairly <you're> getting, dire. <laughs> yeah. Some you're probably going to die next week ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is standard for the horoscopes, I think. Yeah. You know, so they're, only, you know, they're only best guesses, really. Well, that's it exactly. You can't really, you know, you can't really relate. Don't don't live your life by those horoscopes. No, no. unless they I do mean, come it, true, which you probably won't have a life afterwards anyway. So, exactly. And you know, then people might say, "Look, he was right." Yeah, there yeah. you go. What can you say? Yeah. So, big thank you to Phil. Yeah, absolutely for joining us. And it was good uh-huh. fun to talk about one of our favorite topics. And a we'll bit of the old. We'll be back playing it soon enough. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully we'll be back those seven and eight breaks. I know. It's good, I know but it's imagine good. it's been so long as he played, it's it's gonna be worse. Yeah, no matter yeah. what. Please. Yeah, remember our buddy who actually won his fight back last night, didn't he? Spike, he won his first fight back. Oh he did, yeah. The ring after a after a timeout. I yeah. think he'd won fight last year. And remember we went in and he was playing on the table near us. Yeah. Oh he yeah. He came over to say hi and they saw us playing and quickly walked away and was like, I don't actually know these people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He probably thought we were like these, you know, good snooker players, you know, because, oh, yeah, yeah, they're up here in the Vic as well. And then he just saw Spain, yeah. But congratulations mm-hmm. to friend of the show, Spike. Yeah, on his victory last night. On his victory. 
Yeah, um, that was in Belgium, was it? I think in so. Belgium, yeah. yeah. You know, good win, good win for him. Six round fight, I think it was. So Fair play. He's back. He's back now. And he also got he got two kittens. I saw online as well. Oh, there you go. From, was that um, the prize for winning the Cork, fight? Or? No, no. I think it was Cork Cat Action Trust or something like that. Oh, okay, so he fair got play. Two kittens for his kids, so there was a nice picture on on their on their Facebook with a nice. spike and a and a kitten. And spike he looked, and a kitten. He looked very happy with the kitten. I have to say. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you use them for training or something like Rocky could, yeah. chasing oh, hopefully. chickens. <laughs> Jeez. They'll just lob kittens on him when he least expects it. As long as his natural instincts don't kick in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to avoid getting scratched by the kittens. When someone <laughs> fires one at you. Exactly. So we'll be back. We'll be back in a few weeks' time. Few weeks, yeah. Somebody, there's a few people want to come on the show, so we have a list of a few people. I were enjoying yeah. having a few different people on. Yeah. So we'll, so, we'll find um, somebody to talk about something. And maybe one day we'll get a we'll get a full blown celebrity on. I doubt it, but you, doubt you, it. Never, know. you never know though. You never know. There you know. We've had Phil on twice now. And he's practically a celebrity. He's certainly met enough of them at this stage. He has, yeah. <laughs> the celebrities actually know him. They yeah, come up to him these days more than actually he goes up to them. That's it. Close personal friend of David Arcade. Yeah. Close yeah. friend of David Arcade. I think you're going to be the best man at his next wedding. <laughs> Probably. Probably. So there we go. We shall talk so to you go. very, very soon. Yeah. And um, yeah. if you want to get in touch with us, yeah. Uh, fuzzy Facebook. Concepts. On Facebook, I don't. Yeah. Do we have a Twitter still? No, we haven't set no, it up. We do, but we can't get into it. Oh yeah, sure. But if you want so, to tweet it anyway, I'm sure I'm sure we'll see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we can't respond because we can't get into it. So no. And I'm sure we had an email address at some stage as well. So we have. But just message the Facebook address. page Facebook if you have any ideas, or even if you wanted to come on. Yeah, we might do so some light betting of you first. But yeah. anyone's more than welcome to join in, yeah. talking absolute shite. For an hour exactly on any topic under the sun exactly always good fun. beyond the sun beyond the sun as well no not beyond the sun just under the sun just under the sun all right fair enough yeah. all right have a good one everyone yep. Yep. goodbye yep.